Rogers, the king of video games, and you're watching We Talk Games. Never know what you're gonna get. No! Ah! I love my eyes! My eyes! Ah! Ah! No! Everybody, welcome to We Talk Games mid-series programming. I guess you're hosting this one. It's new, Kyle. It's new. Yeah. I'm Wiggly on the phone. It's Kyle Von Kubik. And what do we have today? Another episode of We Talk Games Mystery Box. Boxing with friends. You can put in that sweet drop that everyone's familiar with, where the guy's like asking about the box. What's in the box? My no, friend. No, not that one. Oh. I, I was talking about the, nobody wants a Charlie in the box. <laughs> oh, that one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Charlie, we all float in the box down here. What was the other voice I did? You did Dr. Claw last episode. Uh, <laughs> I can never do it when I went. What is that? Who's that? I don't that? know. It's like through a burp, though. It was excellent. I can, I can never do it when I want to. Now you sound like Lurch. <laughs> so last time I cost a toying rack. Wow. That's pretty much how you said it like eight times. Fuck you, Gadget. Go for it. You rang. <laughs> All right, so you get to open the coin toss uh, gadget. Great. I am going to open my mystery box. Let's explain what this is to the first-time listeners to our mid-series programming. Oh, we're resetting. Okay, uh, the We Talk Games mystery box are mystery boxes that are sent to us by listeners with some sort of gaming ephemera inside of it. We open the box. Again, we have no idea what's inside of these boxes, and we just discuss what's inside the box. If you would like to send us a box of things, preferably related to games, feel free to send them to We Talk Games P.O. Box. Data redacted. I'd like to thank uh, this week's listener. Data redacted. For my mystery box, which they wrapped in newspaper. Ah. Fairly large box, so let me open this up. Is this where they put a real post office shipping box that you're supposed to pay for, but then they just put a newspaper around it and say, oh, it's just a regular box. It's not the same size (laughs) of the boxes that I stole from the post office. Right. Yeah, they they you shove 80 pounds of something into a uh, five by seven bubble mailer and hope it gets there safely. Are you ready for me to find out? Yeah, I can't wait. I'm opening it up now. Oh, is it raining? <laughs> that's that's some foley of the oh, okay. unwrap. <laughs> ah, yeah. What's right, in there? See. Well, I know why the box is so big because it is a Guitar Hero wireless guitar. Great. Oh. As if I needed another one of these. I saw one at Five Below. But it was called Guitar World Hero or something like that. And and you, you, it didn't come with a game. This one doesn't come with a game either. What are you talking uh, about? It, it's compatible with, as it says on the front of the box, Guitar Hero mm. and Guitar Hero 2 for the PlayStation 2. Oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. So it's like a OG. mini ukulele, right? Yes, like all of them. Yes. But, I mean, it's even smaller. Yes, it's um, it's in great shape. 
original box. Let me check the batteries. Please be no batteries in there. No batteries. Okay. Three AAA, no corrosion, which is nice. And the switch is even on off. So somebody really took good care of this plastic instrument. Because they never played it. Probably. Now, is this um, the one that came with, like, the stickers? You could put fire on your, you could put flames on it this. It probably fake- did. Yeah. I don't see any stickers in the box. Okay. I just see the receiver for the wireless end of it. It's a white guitar oh. with um, some black finish. It kind of has, well. Collectible! It, yeah, maybe. I don't know. But there's no dumb stickers on it. Somebody kept it very clean. It has the whammy bar. And yeah. Oh, they sound good. That? Yeah, it's yeah good it sounds picking. good. The buttons are really good. So, yeah, thanks for sending this to me. Data redacted. I mean, it even has the strap to throw over your shoulder yes. like a uh, continental guitar player. It's over-the-shoulder boulder holder. It's nice. Uh, there's some other things in the box, but before I get into that, I do want to talk about the, the Guitar Hero guitars because these things... This was totally a fad, right? Like back in 2005 when this came out, everyone was playing this game and enjoying themselves. And then it, it spurred on, what was it, Red Octane split off and did their version with Rock Band? Yeah. I think that came out in like 2007. Oh, that was Harmonix. I'm sorry. I think Harmonix was helping Activision with guitar yeah. and split off and, and did a Rock Band. So there were so many of these plastic instruments. Seriously, like I occasionally go to thrift stores to look for gaming stuff because occasionally you can find some really cool things. And these things are all over the place. And they're for <laughs> five and below, like you said. There, there's plastic ukuleles everywhere. The, the wireless one, the wired one, there's stickers all over them, juice boxes spilled in them look like crap but this one's actually in really great shape i think what would be an interesting discussion is to talk about why this didn't stick Hmm. and i at least in my opinion just looking at this guitar made me think like this was really fun it was a great party game thing i think it was perfect for the era that it came out you know the xbox 360 and the playstation 2 even with the wii and playstation 3 i know they're they were trying to make uh, a foothold both harmonics with rock band and activision with guitar hero but if i were to guess why this stopped being cool or i don't know if it was ever cool because let's be honest i mean this wireless one alone it's really nice but this is the type of thing you buy because you're too lazy or dumb to learn actual guitar so you want to look cool playing fake guitar. (laughs) that was the excuse back in the day and i was like no man you learn dexterity you don't learn any notes but then they came out with that guitar where you could learn notes Yes, and I, I, it obviously wasn't as successful because I think the reason the game was successful was because even though I don't think the developers thought of it like this, because you and I, you know, what do we know? We only play 30-year-old games. I think they looked at or they discovered a mechanic that was very arcade feeling. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I think they dropped the ball both by not following up with something different utilizing the peripheral. Oh, I see what you're saying. Well, like, yeah, because Guitar Hero came out with the new thing that you would have the slide notes. And then, yeah. of course, we had DJ Hero. And there was Keyboard Hero. And there was, you know, Blow Me Hero. Oh, my gosh, yeah. DJ Hero, I think, was that's when the shark was thoroughly jumped. I love DJ Hero. I enjoyed it as well. I just think that, that by that point, you needed a, another room or an extension on your house for yeah. all the plastic instruments you, you had. Do. Especially when the Beatles rock band came out, because, <laughs> you know, I needed to get the bass. I wish I could have gotten the two guitars. But before that, there was a stage kit by a third party, which 
I would never have played rock band if I didn't have that stage kit, which was oh, a smoke the, machine, yeah, a yeah, strobe yeah. light, and laser show. And uh, I played it not too long ago, maybe maybe two years ago, and it wasn't as fun. When I was in the chicken coop, boy, was that fun. But right. when I'm in the big trapdoor mansion, it lost everything. I was, I was really sad because... The experience felt smaller? It just didn't... I don't know what it was. I guess because it was smaller room yeah. Um, at the chicken coop. Than the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and plus, back then, I would have two friends over, one doing the drums, yeah. one singing, uh, and you know, I'd play the bass. And I, I, it was really cool because I had a bass that had, the, had a split triggers. What do you call it? Okay. The picking part. So you yeah. could use your two diddly fingers to, uh, to play the bass on there. And pressure ladies, lady friends. Indeed. But I know that I like these things more than you did. So No, I. you know what? I'm remembering back to, because we've been doing this show for such a long time, you and I. Mm-hmm. I remember it probably wasn't Guitar Hero, but it was probably Guitar Hero 1 or one of the rock bands that came out. We discussed this on the show. And I think we might have discussed rock band coming out and having the drum kit and the singing and how interesting and fun that is. What I'm saying is, and I'm not bagging on it, I think it inevitably would have been a fad that died out. But I think there was a missed opportunity here where instead of focusing on the install base of the peripheral, because they kept just adding more and more peripherals mm-hmm. and more and more music, they should have looked and said, hey, we have a billion people playing this game and there's a billion plastic ukuleles out there. What do we do with this past hitting these colors to a rhythm game? Keep the idea of rhythm, obviously, because it's an instrument. Mm-hmm. But let's change it up a little bit and i'm thinking back to the playstation one era toward the end of that life cycle where all of these really weird playstation one games came out and i'm thinking of mr mosquito but specifically i'm thinking of Kataru man mm-hmm. i don't understand why neither company and maybe it's because they're both western developers maybe if it was a, an eastern developer they would have come up with something a little more stranger just because of over 30 years or 40 years of history seeing how games are developed. But, like, why couldn't there have been a puzzle game or mm. some sort of shooter that mm. utilized these these plastic instruments? Yeah. Instead of constantly... Bur- Gumshoe. Gu- well, okay. All right. Well, Gumshoe. And, yes, and may- maybe Tetris that's, with the maybe you're Super right. Scope 6. Maybe I, I'm, I'm idealizing something that inevitably wouldn't have been much better than a gumshoe. But they did the make scope. they did make a an action platformer game that you did control with the with the guitar. Oh, did they? Yeah. But was that a was that an indie developed thing? I don't know who who made it. It didn't do very well. Uh, all right. So maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I I think there's so many things, so many of these things out there, and I don't know how. I know the the eight and sixteen bit homebrew communities are thriving mm-hmm. there's a lot of people digging into the sega and the nintendo i saw that former guest rachel weil dug into a bally astrocade and oh, right. uh, yeah did, did a little indie game on there so that's awesome and cool but i think the homebrew community if there is one or a strong one in the playstation 2 or xbox 360 realm should look at all these things sitting in thrift stores and I, I think you come up with something cool. Yeah. What that is, I don't know. I'm just yeah. pitching the idea. That's, no, that's what a, I do. I like it. Yeah. And then you make other people do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm a producer. Right. That's right. <laughs> I, I produce nothing except for ideas. <laughs> yeah. We do need to figure out what to do with all these things. Yeah. Because I'd rather see them used in a creative, artistic way than end up in a landfill. Mm. 
Mm. You know? Yeah. There was a lot of plastic. But I still have all mine around. I, you know, I have a big collection of music with them. Yeah. So uh, there's some pretty deep stuff that happened, especially with a, a Lego. Lego rock band had Iggy Pop. Well, I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, man. That, that was another, like, end-of-life cycle game that came out for this platform. And it was actually the, the good. Guitar Hero platform. I didn't play it, so it was good. That's cool. And and I hate I hate Lego games. You know. I hate Legos in general. I know. You're weird. Um, the, <laughs> I the do hate Legos. Self, was it, were they, like, as the notes were coming up, the bars of color, were they Lego bricks? Yeah, I think so. Oh. But I, all probably, I know... All I know see playing that game. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because, like I said, there was there were songs by Iggy Pop that you could get, and I think it came with Iggy Pop songs, and then you could buy uh, more obscure types of of music, and that I was really digging because it, you know, it wasn't all Mariah Carrier. <laughs> I mean, did you play that? Wait, uh, I don't think. I think that's like Sing Star. Never mind. But um, check it out. Yeah, okay, so... Whatever it is. I don't know what I'm talking about. But yeah, Lego Rock Band was kind of cool. All right, I'll, I would probably get it for a nickel. You probably could. Yeah. But but I did like the Guitar Hero guitar when that came out. It's too bad that it was too little too late because that little touch strip was really cool. And people that were good at this stuff were really good at it. And it did come from the East. I mean... Uh, Kaneko Man is wait wait what no not Kaneko Man what what was it drum Taiko drum master yes yeah so that came out you had that other thing where you where you bongoed around Kong Congos right but before that you had the the thing from Japan that was in the arcades and then you would pay a whole shitload of money for and the Dance Dance Revolution I mean you know that that started things but what what was that one called where you played like the the electric drum pads. It was like six drums. La- I remember getting a lot television. of blisters playing Flaming Finger by Namco, trying mm. to get the jackpot. That was a ticket redemption machine, but for whatever reason, it just spoke to me because mm-hmm. um, I'm not big for ticket redemption. But this is uh, that's a totally different tangent. Maybe we can get into that uh, later. Look up Flaming Finger and lose lose coins and tokens at your local Dave and Buster's. I'm sure they're still floating around there. Anyway, the next item in the box is something a little odd. Uh, what I have in my hand is a black flight stick with red buttons and the cord coming out of this thing. It's not on a base. It's a NES cable or okay. cord that would plug into your NES. And on the bottom of this thing, uh, let's see if suction I can find cups? it now. No suction cups. What? It's called IMN Control. Patent is pending. Um, there's also two red LEDs at the top. Now, I think I remember this. Wait a minute. See if this I, comes off. I had this for my for my Genesis. I think is this Mercury switches? This is Mercury switches. Yes, I remember playing with one of these back in the day. Where um, instead of it being a flight stick that was in a base with suction cups that you would move around, it has little Mercury switches in it to. I guess it's early, very early motion controls mm-hmm. for your Nintendo Entertainment System. And I don't have an NES that I can plug this into to test if it... Well, I do, but I'd have to dig it out. <laughs> well, am I lying to God? I, you know, I look at my collection. I'm like, am I a hoarder? Like, why do I have all this crap, all this plastic crap? Talk about you land. have to. I know. And it, it, you just you, you feel like you'll hurt its feelings if you sell it on eBay. <laughs> remember this, this not working very well is no, what I was getting at. But yeah. the interesting thing about this stick was that it came with a VHS tape. 
Really? Yes, it came with a VHS tape to show you how to use it or uh, tips. I, I, I don't know. I'm going to have to find Some mine. Some Prima strats on how to use your Mercury Switch joystick <laughs> on VHS. that doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, on VHS. If I remember correctly, too, the, the lights at the top would indicate whether or not you had it forward or not. Hmm. I don't know why there's lights on the top of this thing. Yeah, I can't And I remember. can't imagine any game playing well because – what would make sense for a flight stick would be a flight simulator game. And the only flight simulator I can think of for the Nintendo would be Top Gun. Top Gun. Which is Top Gun terrible. Two. Yeah. <laughs> terrible. Days of Thunder. If I'm going to play a movie franchise with this controller, maybe I'd play Goonies 2 or Who Framed Roger Rabbit instead. Because I'd derive a little bit more satisfaction. Put that up to Rock Band. There you go, home brewers. Take this piece of crap. <laughs> See, I had mine for the Genesis, so you had Afterburner and you had uh, mm-hmm. different things sense. like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. What was it called again? This isn't in the box. It's in very dusty shape, although it seems to be complete. It says I M N Control. I M N. Ingest Mercury Now Control. Something motion. I don't know why we don't look things up, but. That's not uh, what this show's about. No, it's about you're opening right. boxes. It's and about opening out. boxes and talking out our ass about yeah. things. <laughs> like, the, like I don't know the name of that Japanese game where you banged on uh, light up pieces of plastic. T- Teramelo drum guys. Pterodactyl drum guys. I think that's yeah. what it was. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Well, but if you hear, there's some good feedback on all the switches and buttons. Yeah. Now, you did have a trigger. So, explain, yep. explain the buttons. And, and you had a... Okay. So, like like a um, a flight stick, you have a, a trigger in the front of it. Mm-hmm. Um, your thumb has a fire button. There's also a switch. That, on the top? On the top, correct. There's also one on the side and yes. one beneath. So, you could actually hold it in one hand and move around the screen and do everything you needed to do. Theoretically, I yeah, should yeah, say. Yeah. You're, not, you're not doing anything, but... There is more buttons on this joystick that would be required for any NES game, basically. This was so that you could eat a sandwich. Eat a sandwich while you're playing Top Gun and crashing into the uh, the sea. There's a, a switch on the right to alternate between slow, rapid, and regular. I imagine that's for the shots. Mm-hmm. There's also a switch next to that where you can alternate between A to B or B to A. I imagine that's to change up the three other little buttons for, you know, A or B, depending on if bombs were on A or if it was B, you could make these the bombs or the secondary shot or something. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, it's black plastic. It does have a texture on either side. So, you know. Good grip. Good grip, orthopedically speaking. Yes, orthopedic <laughs> it feels good grip. In your hand. Yeah. Um, and, and the uh, the texture, nothing's really uh, obtusive ab- about the object itself. I just I remember playing with this back in the day and not being very impressed with how it controlled. I, I could make things happen on the screen, but it got to the point where it's like, why am I not just using the rectangle? Yeah, this is a five minute peripheral. Right. Yeah. Put that back. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could. I, I wish I could think of the name of it. I, I thought it was called Max, but I something Max. But I guess it couldn't have been because it had to have motion in there. Boy, I wish. Uh, wish we could look things up on the internet. <laughs> I'm doing that right now. Oh. oh my god, here it is. I found it on eBay. Currently listed at ninety nine dollars and ninety nine. Oh my god, what the fuck is wrong with people? Can good, we do good, a show about this? 
Yeah, good luck, uh, yard sale two thousand. <laughs> because this, what they're they're offering. Well, let, at, let, let me guess. Rare. It's rare. Surprisingly, they didn't. They don't have rare on the uh, the title, nor do they have look with the uh, two <laughs> at signs for eyes. Uh, they call it the Nintendo NES IMN GH dash zero zero one motion sensitive controller. Oh wow! I I, I could I guess that's the name, and it's probably why it wasn't successful. <laughs> yeah, my son would like the GH dash zero zero one motion sensitive controller. He wants to play uh, Vig as a tactical gladiator. I'll tell you what; these things are selling at stupid prices, and no one's buying them. So, <laughs> of course, it's not even charming. No, it's not like the uh, the Sega. The I can understand. Oh, my God. Field control, I can understand. Oh, yeah. But something like this that didn't work when it was new mm. uh, has no nostalgic past the system it was for. It's not It does. It's not coming in that, the bubble case, is it? It's not new, is no. it? No. Oh, no. The, the one I'm looking at for nearly $100. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, you know what's funny? Let's take a look here. Because uh, it came in a dome case. A domed case, I should say, because it was tubular, but then it had a dome on top of it. This is free shipping. The joke was going to be that they were charging you nearly $100 and then charging you $15 for shipping. But I will give <laughs> Yard Sale uh, 2000 credit. They are shipping this for free if you're dumb enough to spend $99.99. Oh. There's not even a make an offer option oh. uh, on this listing. Yeah. Uh, here's another one selling for $79.99. See photos. This is like $3 tops. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't spend more than... I, it's definitely an under five dollar item. Yeah, three dollars, dollar fifty shipping. This one for seventy nine ninety nine is very rare. It oh, it is very exact, rare. Exactly the same as the one I'm holding in my hand right now. Yeah. So anyway, that's it. The famous IMN controller GH dash zero zero one motion sensitive. God damn! I control. wish I could remember what that was really called. It's well, you know, it's probably worth like ten thousand dollars in box. <laughs> well, I have mine in the box. I I saw the VHS tape. I don't know where the hell it is. You could probably retire if you can find that VHS tape. <laughs> yeah. Are we ready for the last item in this box? There's another one. Yeah. It's just one little item left, and it kind of goes along with some things that are happening in the news lately. It's a uh, World Champion Series Tops collectible trading card celebrating Billy Mitchell. And his perfect score on Pac-Man. Oh, it is the tops. Non-sport. Yes. Non-sports, right. Yeah, the non-sport cards. Whoa. Oh, this, I want to thank Data Redacted for sending us this because this will complete my King of Kong collection because I have the Steve Weeby card uh-huh. in a little plastic protector case. So now I have the uh, Billy Mitchell one as well. They're on a tour with this stuff for, for years now. I was on one of the first parts of the tour when they went around doing their non-sport. Mitchell and Walter Weeby. Day. Weeby wasn't at uh, the one in Allentown here. They came to Allentown twice with this uh, non-sports tour. Big Billy Joel fans, these guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Get the lights off the audience. <laughs> Get that, the lights off the audience. That video was shocking. <laughs> Get the lights off the audience. If you don't know what we're talking about, make sure you check out Stinky the Game Master's July and Christmas video and just wait for the part with Billy Joel 
violently attacking the audience. Well, he he turns his I don't know half a million dollar keyboards over, and then he he smashes the mic stand, and he he's looking for other things to kick and throw and smash. It was from when he played in Russia, and evidently he didn't go over so hot. They packed the audience with people that thought they were in for a dinner show, and they were... This guy sucks. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's just that they were sitting there quietly to be entertained, and as you do when you're filming for a video release, you know, Billy Joel live in Russia, um, you get crowd reactions. And Billy Joel was upset because they, they weren't they, reacting. Yes, yeah, so so he's like, "Get the lights off of him! Get the lights off of the audience!" And and the camera crew kept lighting the audience and trying to get crowd reactions, and no one, of course, was reacting. They're eating their five pound block of cheese that you get in Russia, you know. <laughs> uh, Three and, slices of stale bread, exactly. <laughs> and uh, so he got very upset about this. But then, actually, they did very well because people were leaving. Because whatever happened, and all these kids off the street just kept flooding in because I guess the doors were wide open, and all the kids were just thrashing around and, and loving it and having a good time because they don't care. They just want to, you know, they just want to punch each other. Kids, right. kids do. Like yeah. when I was a kid. And, and when some uh, Long Island wino is swinging a mic stand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And <laughs> uh, the audience said, yeah, they, it fits right in with Russia. They're used to daily beatings and being sent to the gulag. Hey, sure. I didn't throw a fit. I threw a keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was in one of his interviews. <laughs> oh, Billy Joe. I didn't throw a temper tantrum. I threw a keyboard. I mean, that's a pretty good quote, if you think about it, though. <laughs> yeah. How are you going to get out of that? You're not. Well, can you tell us more about this Billy Mitchell card and its lies? Well, Fake news. Well, here's the thing. There's been a lot of speculation on Billy Mitchell's score because of the unraveling of Todd Rogers and his numerous, numerous fake high scores that he entered into the twin galaxy system Mm. while he was a ref. And the only one who verified these scores was him. Now you and I have experienced his jailbird, his his jailbird jailbird friend that molested children. Yes. Yes. So you watch the video too. You know, there's a, um, so there's this blogger we've been interacting with on Twitter, Catherine Despira. You can follow her at cat D E Spira S P I R A. You can also check out her blog, retrobitch.wordpress.com. <laughs> Those are her words, her choices, yeah. not ours. Right. First of all, she puts up awesome articles that have nothing to do with all these twin galaxy players. So there's more to her than just her going after Billy Mitchell and Todd Rogers. In fact, she wrote a very good piece on Todd Rogers that she was kind of she was sad for him. She felt bad for him in some respects. Well, he was the first official paid gamer when he was when he was a kid yeah regardless of him lying or not he definitely was the first or one of the first pro gamers ever Mm -hmm. that can't Mm -hmm. be taken away from that's definitely documented and legit what's not legit evidently is his dragster score uh, of a time of 5.51 we've been involved with this since since it start too and we sort of 
were on the fence about this for a while. Until we had inklings that something was strange with Twin Galaxies and with some of these, they call themselves champions. You know, it was funny. I read Todd Rogers' whole thing about his response to having his scores removed from Twin Galaxies, evidently. Twin Galaxies is constantly in flux and the people that you might think are still involved because you watched King of Kong have been long gone from there. Um, There was definitely a lot of infighting. Some of that has to do with Todd Rogers himself, evidently. But I, I thought it was funny that he wrote this response to his scores being removed, saying that while he doesn't agree with it, he's okay with it. And then kind of ended with gaming is fun. It's not life. Which I think is odd coming from a guy who, the few times we interact with him, introduced yeah. himself as the king of video games. Oh yeah, and then would proceed the to the show. yeah, would proceed to rattle off thirty or forty just bogus scores that he got. You know, I'm the I'm Mr. Activision, king of video games. That's got right. this in barnstorming. Yeah, it ended up that was a lie. Got this in Ribbit. Evidently that was a lie. Uh, got this in Dragster. That definitely was a lie. And it was just all this drama that played out. And I couldn't look away because it was just so absurd. Twin Galaxies hired uh, another former guest on our show, Ben Heckendorn, or as a lot of people call him, Ben Heck, to create a computer to play dragster to prove that Todd Rogers could do it. And Todd Rogers appeared on his YouTube channel for this show where the computer showed it was impossible to get the score Todd Rogers said he was getting, and yet here's Todd Rogers standing there. Well, you got to jockey and push the gas and just saying all this third, bullshit. Start in third gear or fourth gear. Yeah, like he switched. He switched. Uh, yeah, that's what I mean. he was. It was just blowing smoke. Mm-hmm. And while Catherine Despira definitely, you know, again put up a very nice piece about him and felt bad for him. I don't. We had our inclinations that things were a little off with him and some of the things he was saying also in his response he took a shot at roy schultz or Sh- what you know oh, i the guess you could guy. do anything you want if you have enough money money <laughs> who is you know what looking back i mean we saw this guy in a tumble we were laughing yeah. he came in wearing a baby bonnet it wasn't a baby bonnet it was like a bucket hat but it totally looked like a baby bonnet he was definitely deflated He's from deflated. the years of steroids that yeah. he was taking yeah. He's a shell of who you saw in that king kong documentary mm. uh, but he i would equate to being the randy quaid of this situation <laughs> The cousin Eddie, if you will, the, okay. the guy who's batshit crazy and, you know, everyone's like, look how nuts this guy is. And he's talking about, you know, aliens are coming to conquer the world. And then guess what happens in that movie? Aliens come to conquer the world. This guy for years has been saying that Twin Galaxies is a sham and yeah. they play favoritism and Billy Mitchell is a huckster. Yeah. And now it appears that, yes, Billy Mitchell may have done things to achieve scores in a nefarious way so that way he could be in the public eye and be the face of Twin Galaxies. And what's funny about it is what he's being exposed for now happened while we were in Ottumwa back yeah. in 2010 for the Big Bang, which was supposed to be this big kickoff for this International Video Game Hall of Fame uh, and Museum. And it ended up being uh, 20 people in a 200,000 square foot facility. Oh, no, it was a lot more than that. It was more than 20, but it definitely the building was not full. No. But here were all these pro gamers happy to talk to you and tell you about all the things they achieved. And some of those dudes we met, I 
wholeheartedly believe they achieved the scores that they they did yeah. and others were a little suspect ben gold i believe you know achieved the scores he said in he defender was, and stargate he was on that's incredible he won that he did it in front of people did it live on camera that's right uh billy mitchell submitted a vhs tape the last day of the event the right. big bang event to yeah. proclaim that he had once again retaken Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr. and did so the same day. But it was like in a sealed envelope and no one got to see it. And, uh, you know, I did ask him on uh, a video that we made when we were there. I asked him, have you set any records? Are you going for something? And he's like, well, I could tell you tomorrow. I said, well, we're going to be gone tomorrow because we're not yeah. staying here. Because <laughs> <laughs> this place is a show. I, I had enough. I had enough we're in a fucking, wet dog hotel. <laughs> I had enough Burger King veggie burgers my for God. the rest of my life. This is We're not kidding, folks. Wiggly and I had Burger King for lunch and dinner mm. three nights in a row. Mm. You want to talk about becoming quickly chemically imbalanced? Eat Burger King. <laughs> For two meals for three days in a row. Yeah. Even the veggie we were, burgers. It was not, you know. You we were at get... each other's throat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, so we um, had to get out of there. Yeah. But uh, but when I found out how he did it, I was, I was like. <sighs> because also when he was there, there was a lot of whispering between him, Walter Day, and Steve Wiebe. There was just whispers, whisper, whisper, whisper. What's everybody fucking whispering about? Mm-hmm. Oh, like and whispers. You and I d- definitely not exposed, but we we kind of came to the realization of King of Kong was very much like a wrestling match. It's a bad documentary because it picked and chose what it wanted to show so it could make a narrative. Instead oh, it of made a great a, narrative. It, it, w- without a doubt. If you watch that movie, uh, and I and this is proven. If you watch that movie with your significant other, you will get laid. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I've proven this with uh, several people that have contacted me. I said, watch that movie with your significant other. You might not, neither of you might even care about arcade games. But it, it is crafted so well that you get this real villain, underdog. Yes. Uh, you it's know. black and white hat, cowboy, good versus evil type of western narrative the big bully comes in trying to push around the little guy what is interesting about that documentary and the hypocrisy that it shows of twin galaxies and there's another documentary out which i don't know if you watch but it's man versus snake um that one about, i didn't see but i saw the other one that you know that really exploited oh, chasing ghosts I, yeah. I did not like yeah no that was very much an exploitative yeah. um, movie but it showed man a guy snake, that like lived with spiders and Slept under his Christmas tree and stuff like that is very odd. We're not going to name names no. or other arcade collectors who are also art collectors. Uh, oh, right. But, yeah. So uh, let, let's not talk about Chasing Ghosts, but let's talk about Man vs. Snake. Man vs. Snake is This about, is Todd Rogers, and I'm the king of sleeping under Christmas trees. Oh, geez. <laughs> it's not about Todd Rogers. It's about... Man. Chasing Snakes must be about Snafu. It, it's about Nibbler. Nibbler? On a plane. Right, which is like a Pac-Man game influenced by Snafu. We've talked about Nibbler, haven't right. we? Or we I, just mentioned it when we were talking about the other games like Swallow and... <laughs> probably. That's beefy. Probably, yeah. Beefy Dick. <laughs> what are some of the games? I don't ga- think that was game. Why can't I think about the names of these other games? Um, Wait, 
wiping and what was the one sucking <laughs> oh yeah what was the, guzzler guzzler that's it come guzzler and uh and a slimy snake oh tim uh, yeah how can you forget i see i said it in my head and i'm like no that's a different dude uh timothy mcveigh no not that <laughs> timothy <laughs> right let's just call him tim mcveigh yes tim mcveigh yes so man vs. snake is about Tim McVeigh, who achieved the high-scoring nibbler back in the 80s at Walter Day's arcade in Ottumwa. It was a big deal because this was a guy getting or, or achieving a high score, and he was the homegrown talent. Mm-hmm. The problem with it was that only a few months later, an Italian player by the name of Enrico Zanetti actually beat his score and was all over television in Italy. Mm-hmm. And eat it significantly. I don't remember the numbers, but he beat the score significantly. But Walter Day and Twin Galaxies conveniently decided that because they weren't present for that score, that it was not on the record. Timothy McVeigh, let's just call him Tim. (laughs) Tim McVeigh was not aware of this ever. And then it came out in the 2000s, or at least it was told to him in the 2000s that actually, in fact, this Italian player beat your score a few decades ago. Yeah. The whole narrative of this documentary is him trying to retake his score ah. of course it has the ending and um once he takes his score back then walter day and twin galaxies decide that they will recognize enrico's score which again very suspect yeah. go back to king of kong in that documentary what's the big thing about steve weeby they got people showing up at the weeby's household and i don't know how much of this was spun to make the narrative more interesting but they're examining his arcade game and in the movie they say oh they were uninvited guests and they're you know rummaging through his guitar guitar fucking guitar here <laughs> rummaging through his garage yes and they're examining his donkey kong machine board and there's there is a gummy substance on the right left panel that is questionable you remember this from the yes. documentary it was well, Donkey. It was actually Donkey Kong Junior, and they they didn't right. know the board was switched out, and what? Yeah, they're right. they're going over with a fine tooth. Uh, and fine tooth. Uh, he's not. He's not their boy. Yeah. He's not a part of their system. So flash forward all this many years, and I don't want to get too far away from Catherine Despira, but she has been rallying against Billy Mitchell and some of his scores for a very long time questioning whether or not he was the first person to get a perfect score on Pac-Man. You can read more about that. It's very interesting. And there is some evidence that would suggest that, no, in fact, he wasn't the first person to get it. He was the first person to be recognized by Namco. That is a big difference. Mm. And to be recognized by the company that created Pac-Man gives you cachet, definitely. Yeah. More specifically, she questioned this 2010 score that we questioned with this VHS tape that was never under review of Twin Galaxies, was displayed at the event once, had no audio. Right. And then later on, other things came out of who was involved with this event that Billy Mitchell put on where he went to a single location to beat both Steve Wiebe and other players Donkey Kong Jr. and Donkey Kong score at the same day. And there's Roy in this video that you can see online that we retweeted questioning him back in 2010 like, well, if you were going to do this as a live event, why is nobody there? Why didn't you announce it? Why didn't you let other players see you do this? Well, it turns out that another video was released of Todd Rogers and his girlfriend at the time Morning Dove or something. Some stupid alias she went by. She was asking you if you were in prison, if I remember correctly. Mm, yeah, she. I was she hitting on us. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there's no. Uh, there's no joke here. Yeah. No, there was touching. I think. Yeah. Gr- gr- we had to get out of Tumwa. Yeah, Anytime we- a Tumwa gets brought up, I always say, "Never again." <laughs> Never again. So, some other videos were released to supposedly prove that Billy Mitchell did achieve this feat, but ended up biting him in the ass because people, again, went over those videos with a fine-tooth comb and found out that while the video is very short, it shows that an operator that's removing an arcade board from the Donkey Kong machine is supposedly putting in a Donkey Kong Jr. board, but in fact, it is the same board being removed and replaced, and it's both times Mm. is a Donkey Kong Jr. board. Mm. Also, very bad acting, at least in my opinion, is happening, where Billy Mitchell says, it's a good thing so-and-so is here because I have no idea how to swap out boards. I'm sorry. I bought a pinball machine three years ago. I knew nothing about fixing it. I laid a soldering iron iron on my wrist by accident, (laughs) but I also replaced the solenoid and knew nothing about that machine. It ain't rocket science unplugging a board from an arcade unit and putting a new board in. But the, uh, the, the, the problem they had with the sound being missing was because there's a certain startup sound that the actual machine goes through when you turn it on versus the main version of it, the boot-up sequence. And because the sound's missing, most people suspect, and this is, oh, again, this is all allegations, but there's a lot of evidence build, building up. And at least one reputable Donkey Kong, I think it's called Donkey Kong Forum, which exclusively just deals in Donkey Kong games as far as high score is concerned, mm-hmm. removed all of Billy Mitchell's scores because they suspect that, in fact, that machine was just the main machine, which is why the sound wasn't played on the VHS. And the other thing that makes them suspect that is because of the way that the sprites are drawn across the screen, because evidently MAME does that differently. Right, the right. The colors cabinet. of the boot up. And again... You and I, we play 30-year-old games, so what do, what do we know? But <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Brian, for that tagline. I actually love it. I think it's hilarious because it just it shows how ignorant some people are. You and I both know that because of Arcade Weekly and the numerous, numerous games we played on Arcade Weekly that you can check out at wetalkgames.com slash in the can, um, MAME operates very differently from a physical cabinet. Sure. And that's not just with the controls. You know, we we talk about how we avoid racing games and shooting games because you need those controls, the proprietary hardware to play those games. Yes, that's fine. But even with like, if your system isn't set up correctly and you try to play a game like Out Foxies, right? Yeah, sure. You know, it things happen, and you can take advantage of that, and you can speed it up, you can slow it down, you can do save states. Yeah. And there, you know, again in 2010, we're still submitting this by VHS. Yeah. Just very shady. You and I kind of had a sideways look about it. And now, not that we've come to roost, but certainly somebody like Catherine has, who's been saying for years, like, nah, this dude's a fraud. Well, you've seen these perfect runs, and it's because what you do is you have a button set up that rewinds. So you rewind where you got murdered, and then you're recording this whole thing, and you, you rewind when you get murdered, and then you do the playback of it Again. Um, right. on the uh, on or even better, I achieved all these scores because I maximized this screen. Save state. Oh, mm. I died. Go back to that save state. Oh, I maximized all the points on that screen. Great. Save state. And you just do that. And then, oh, well, look, look, here's my playthrough. And then you can have MAME play those save states. Yeah. So it looks like you're playing, but the computer's just playing the recording of you. Exactly. When we talked to Todd Rogers, he talked a lot about pro wrestling. Yeah. 
I know Todd Rogers entered Twin Galaxies in the 2000s, and that's when all these scores started propagating on the board and the ridiculous numbers. And the you know he was millions of points above the second place holder of yeah. these games. I think uh, Todd Rogers, to the detriment of Twin Galaxies and to the shame of Walter Day, whether he feels it or not, uh, brought some pro wrestling into something that he shouldn't have. I yeah. think these guys got caught up in the narrative. And you can tell which guys got caught up in it and which guys didn't. And again, going back to Ben Gold, here's a respectable guy. You talk to him. Yeah, I did this. It was a long time ago. I don't know if I could do anything close to that now. Oh, you kids play games? Nah, not really. They're not into what I do. He was just an average guy. Play games on the phone. He played games on the phone. He was just an average dude. He talked to us. He was happy to talk to us. He was a nice man. He's a very educated man, too. That's another guy. People should go out and follow Ben Gold. He talks a lot about politics. He's a smart dude. He's just an average dude. He's an yeah. average guy. He's not trying to sell. He's not shilling hot sauce at you or walking around with trading cards or trophies or anything like this. He's just, yeah, I achieved this back in the day. And his biggest claim to fame is he did it on television. Yeah. You know, there's no question about whether or not he achieved that, where it seems like a lot of stuff that went on with some of the people who were on our show that we thought were questionable. But, you know, again, we're being polite because these are guests. It turns out that we were right to question some of these things. And in some ways it's sad. In other ways, I'm glad to see justice served because for a very long time, there's people sitting in a second place rung on this supposed Guinness Book World Recognized scoreboard Mm -hmm. who should have been in first place for many, many Atari games. Right. So that that's it. That's we talk games mystery box where we just ramble on about all sorts of things. That was a fucking mystery. Yeah, I hope you guys are enjoying these programs. Let us know. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at We Talk Games. And this August, you can tell us in person because we're going to be at the Long Island Retro Gaming Expo. We are. Yeah, it's going to be held in Garden City again. Check it out expo.liretro.com. Ton of information. And like I said in previous episodes on different programs, we always plug this early and often because it gives you enough time, especially if you're in the tri state area, New York, Connecticut, Jersey. Pennsylvania, you can make plans to be there because you won't be disappointed. It's a fun two-day event. There's a lot of great consoles there, a part of their museum, great guest speakers, and they mm-hmm. have an awesome vendor section with all sorts of great repro carts that you can get. <laughs> <laughs> like Mother 3 for the Game Boy Advance. Hey, maybe we'll be talking about that soon, too. I'm almost complete oh. with Earthbound. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But we'll uh-huh, see. Uh-huh, maybe that'll uh-huh. be a part of our experiments. I don't know. Yeah, uh, what uh, we have some other things uh, that Cooking. we're gonna be experimenting. What's the one thing called? Uh, we talk games. The oh, game. We talk games. The game show. The game show within the show. That's is that the what its title. whole title is? Yeah, man. What I, I gotta do I, that I, cover art. Hey, what I get please. it. <laughs> I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I get I get the easy one wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah, you. <laughs> Got the you one toy- that I made up wrong. <laughs> you cost the coin. I did toss the coin. Wait, I almost, I said it right, almost. Almost. The coin, when you went to say it wrong. I tossed the coin, yeah. Hey, yeah, I hope that you enjoyed this episode of We Talk Games Unboxed. The what Mystery Box. Oh, Mystery Box. I like We Talk Games Unboxed. Nobody likes a Charlie in the box. <laughs> Because I, I feel like if it's We Talk Games Unboxed, it's like my dick fell out, you know? Yeah, I know. And balls. Work safe. Everything. The whole Monty. All right, out. We got to get stinky on the program, though, because 
I'm liking this fast and loose experimental year. Well, as you know, he hasn't yet to say anything about it this year because mm-hmm. of the things going on behind the scene. Mm, right. Which well, I'm we happy still those cannot are talk about. Because I was not looking forward to Fishtuary. <laughs> I was. All right, everybody. Hey, uh, fuck it. That's it. For Wiggly Check, I'm Kyle Von Kubik. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see what happens next week. Next week is going to be another mid-series programming experiment. A rerun. Nice. Bye, everybody. I hope you like it. It might be new for you, though. Saw them shut. Jesus Christ, deny your maker. He who tries will be wasted. Feed my eyes. Now you saw them shut. on them shut. Jesus Christ, he who tries will be wasted. Feed my eyes. Now you've sown them. Shut, ladies and gentlemen.